Hello and welcome to the Casually Hardcore Podcast. My name is Brian and joining me we have a consummate guest, an OG creator himself, Magic Man, aka Michael. Thanks so much for coming in and taking time to talk to Chris and I about Final That's- Fantasy. That's my pleasure, sir. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite. It's always fun. Like, we've known each other for a very, very long time at this point. And then you were just getting into content creation when when I was at Game Breaker and at MMOBomb.com, still doing that that stuff there. Just finished the free-to-play cast for this week. And now you're like, you're like Ginger Prime, the ginger. Like, you're a big dude. And Chris, I... I huge fan nice to Thank be you. here with you I, we've never spoken previously but I'm, I'm very excited to to be here with you too sir now we got a killer show lined up for you guys and if you're watching us uh live uh or if you're watching this in the archive top links right now for uh, magic man here to go check out ready check radio and all the content twitch youtube all his socials are there go give him a follow this guy's been making great content in fact is like before i got into the game uh he like he was one of definitely inspiration him and mr happy yeah. who you might know uh can, yeah. mr happy continued making the youtube stuff uh and uh, you got big into acting like you still are a thespian as oh. myself so like, I've been, i was like four so yeah. So, and then actually doing the magic. That's where the magic man thing comes from. It's not just some 12-year-old making an online Twitter handle. I mean, it sounds like one. Oh, he's the magic man. But yeah, I'm actually a magician in real life. But yeah, you Game Breaker, you miss it, then follow Ready Check Radio. If you miss Very Game Breaker. spiritual successor. Yes. Um, so absolutely follow it. And Ginger, you've been on uh, the Relic Grind, mm-hmm. our Final Fantasy Square Enix show. Chris, I'll be bugging you for an invite now that we're besties because we did this show together. Uh, we'll get you over there. You got to get you, you got to get a Chris rant on. Oh, absolutely. On your podcast, absolutely. like that would be legendary. <laughs> absolutely. So, Chris, one, I'm going to give you some show time because I, I literally just did the introduction here, uh, and then we're going to dive into our first topic. How's things going, dude? What do you got going on? Well, uh, this week was five five. Um, I cleared all but the Unreal and the Extreme. Took me right at twenty hours to get kind of some of my weekly stuff done and all of that done. Did the new Skyrise celebration twice. Did a couple of fishing raids with the new, got my dolphin minion um, running around, which is just, that's just luck. It's literal just luck. Because the do- it's not just seeing yep. the dolphins off the ship. You have to get the buff. And so you got to get the buff three times. Um, I've only gotten the seagull buff once, so I'll have to keep, keep going back for that. Uh, it makes me long for fishing specifically because it kind of lives off on its own island. Having some post-XP something because having a level 80 fisher filling my inventory with literally worthless fish once every two hours just for the sake of it uh is like but but why though um like let it let it do something let it let it at least let me donate it to some like charity at the end where it's like feeding eorzeans that are hungry with fish but instead i'm just like deleting fish uh and it would be nice to have a use there but that's that's been my week and then i just did guild wars again uh home stretch i'm in the 70s and i have a couple of level boost items on me so i'll probably be 80 sometime in the next seven days oh man anyway um it makes me i I just feel like there's gonna be a connection whenever you do a quest where there's like a hungry kid and and you're like but i just deleted a thousand fish (laughs) and now i cannot feed this child why (laughs) all right um anyway uh guys if you all haven't seen uh you know obviously this is uh, kind of a spoiler free week um, we we're going to touch on themes. We're going to touch on content, um, but we're going to keep this as relatively spoil free as possible. So 
traditionally, especially during these times within the world of Final Fantasy, uh, like you're safer, the you know. But then as the show gets longer, there could <laughs> always be a chance in that regard. So no, uh, no worries if you feel like bouncing out. Our topics for the week in this case, we got three killer topics for you guys today. First, who should be buying Square Enix? Followed by we're going to talk about <laughs> patch 5.5 impressions and jump the, right in. Who buys the, them? Who buys, who buys them? them? And uh, and so that's going to be like that is in and of itself uh, to catch set some context for everybody. I'm not just like pulling this one out of the old beanie here. Uh, last night uh, it was tweeted out, and this is actually coming off of a like a uh, some stuff that's been going on behind the scenes for a couple weeks uh, that it was rumored that Sony would be purchasing Square Enix. We've seen a closer relationship with them. Uh, since uh, for the last couple of years, and that just keeps getting uh, closer and closer. Now, I read the the rumors about Sony buying uh, Square Enix as just rumors in their regards. I don't really look much like it's, at that point. It's nothing for us to bring that information to you because it really is just kind of for fun, uh, fun for thought. Uh, and then last night, uh, Bloomberg uh, Japan reporting that they as uh, uh, Square Enix has multiple interested buyers, which in and of itself doesn't mean anything. Uh, and then Square Enix actually then clarifying today that no, they're not looking to sell. Uh, the company and that's the context and so i really want to get uh, y'all's opinion i'm going to start with magic man what who should buy square enix should they sell and uh yes nobody no, why? nobody 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 okay uh so okay first off and i tweeted this yesterday when i saw the news just because somebody is interested in buying something does not mean said item is actually for sale that's a different discussion and square acknowledged today or at least publicly said right privately we don't know but publicly said, we're not for sale. Nobody's made an offer. We're not looking for offers. I could, I would, I might want to buy Chris's car, and I might be interested in buying Chris's car. But if you ain't interested in selling it, then the story ends right there. Um, so we also have to separate. I think is it Square Enix as an entire entity, or is it Square Enix as in the gaming department mm -hmm. or the manga department, or you know? pick off pieces. So assuming that interested buyers would be interested in the entire company, I don't think there is any way anybody but Sony would get it. Uh, and I think a lot of that actually has to do with Japanese culture. Um, I don't think you're going to see like a Bethesda sale to Microsoft in this case. I'm sure Microsoft would be interested, but if you're talking lock, stock and barrel, I think Sony is the only one that really has a, the income to do it, the cash to do it, and the Japanese culture clout to be able to do it. That said, I don't think anybody should. I don't want, I don't want these titles exclusive, first off. Um, I don't want them exclusive to Sony. Yes, in my mind, and you said this uh, at the beginning of the show, Brian, uh, Brian or in pre-show, that there is a very mental thing with me and Final Fantasy being associated with Sony. Mm-hmm since Final Fantasy VII, pretty much. Prior to that, they were associated, in my mind, with Nintendo. So there is a part of me that goes, oh, wow, if they went back to Nintendo, then maybe they could do this and this and this. Oh, shit, I don't want these things being exclusive to the Nintendo Switch. Ooh, no, I, I don't want that. Same, same type of thing with Microsoft, yeah. same type of thing with Sony. I just don't want them being exclusive, uh, and I think it starts putting... Honestly, I'm, I'm not separate topic. I'm not exactly sure what Sony's doing in some certain avenues right now and some of the mentality behind some more recent decisions. Um, I don't Neither necessarily trust. Yeah, true. <laughs> I don't necessarily trust their their judgment on some of these things. So yeah. I don't think anybody should buy them. 
the big players are the ones that you would think of Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, everybody else would have a hard time financially doing it. And I think it was only like five years or so ago. Didn't Sony divest a, a bunch of stock in Square Enix? I, yeah. I know they needed cash and capital, uh, capital at the time. So maybe they've purchased a little bit of it back, but they're not even a primary holder anymore. So I, I'm going to go with nobody should buy them. But if you make me pick one, if you make me pick one, I feel safest in Sony's hands, but not all that safe. Chris? I think that Sony is a little out of touch with where we're headed as far as exclusives and That's with the idea that I want a $600 hard to find purchase to make my previous purchase invalid. I want my friends that can't find a PS5 to be locked away from me. We are past those days. Um, we are getting closer to PC Master Race in console. We are saying, hey, this is a PC that hooks up to your TV, is powered by controller, and is an invitation to all. Xbox is there. Nintendo has always been priced to be there. Um, Sony needs to get on that train. I think exclusives within first parties make sense because that's a chance to build in-house tools to show things off. Uh, we did it with Wii Sports better than any other in-house exclusive ever will, but Xbox was founded on the tenets of things like Halo. Whether you're a shooter fan or not, it is a founding member of the Xbox community, yeah. and, and I think there's a place for that, but third-party exclusives, it's a need for cash. Uh, today on stream, we were talking about Blizzard and the relationship with Activision. It's a need for cash, and so unless Square Enix needs the money, I don't know why they would sell, Assuming they're going to sell and assuming we're going to see the world catch on fire for what feels like a needless reason outside of a few shareholders coming out ahead because of Sony's desire to push exclusivity and because Game Pass um, is now saying Game Pass will bring things to any platform that has Game Pass on it. Just wanting to watch the world burn, the pessimist in me goes, I hope Microsoft outbids them. And I hope it's such a big number they have to take it. And then they and then we get more exclusives within like just just say and then game pass can come to playstation like like the the pessimist part of me wants to just hand the underdog the big bit of big club oh it's so it's so weird to think of microsoft as the underdog in this case because i don't think <laughs> microsoft has ever been is, they're big well i like i don't like i know they did they did horrible last generation and in in, in contest like they sold yeah. money and they made money comparatively. comparatively right so but right. it's funny because the whole thing has always been when is Microsoft really going to lean in? And this is when, and they've been leaning in. Sony cannot handle a war of attrition with, with Microsoft. There's no amount of money. They, they do not have the capital on hand to fight Microsoft. Wait, and they just spent 200 million in Epic's latest round of funding too. Mm -hmm. So 200 million cash was sunk into into Epic Games just a few days ago. Right. So that that's a huge cash spend of the limited capital that is available on hand to begin with. And we do know that Microsoft is interested, right? They oh, have yeah. said publicly. They tried to do after, it in 2019. Yeah, oh, so after the Zenimax purchase. <laughs> yeah. After the Zenimax purchase, which by the way on MMO Bomb, uh, that has become our our go-to comparison. How how valuable is something? Seven and a half Zenimaxes. Um, eight and a half Zenimaxes. Yeah. Roblox is worth seven Zenimaxes. Uh, but <laughs> at that time, they did say not only were they looking at still other acquisitions, but they specifically said Japanese companies. And everybody kind mm -hmm. of thought, you know, Capcom, Sega, Sega you know, the, those Konami. players, those mid-tier players mm -hmm. were and to get the away ones. From them. Yeah. 
that could be grabbed. Now, Square Enix would be a hell of a grab, and I don't necessarily... I'm with you, Chris. I don't necessarily have a problem with it going to Microsoft, except I don't like the exclusivity of the the platforms until Game Pass could then break out and be on whatever the hell it wants. Already already rumors. That could sway me. Well, also already rumors that Game Pass is coming to Switch. Uh, Yeah. You know, and it's like, honestly, that's that's exactly the model. Like uh, Phil Spencer coming out and saying uh, our games are uh, will be where Game Pass is. Literally yeah. saying the line of sand, like you want, you want Starfield, you want Bethesda games, you want Doom, great Game Pass. And honestly, I could see Game Pass coming to Amazon's Luna, Google Stadia, and things of that nature, to where it's like we're just we're just opening the playing field even more. Here's where I want to come in, and I'm gonna really alienate a few people, but I'm gonna talk to you guys. <laughs> like I'm not gonna, it's not boring. What's the cost? What would Square Enix go for? Anywhere from eight to fifteen billion dollars. When me and my dad sat down and looked at it, it goes up to fifteen billion. When you start talking about multiple bidders, who are the bidders? Sony has to buy Square Enix, hands down. It's not a matter yeah. of should, could, whatever. They don't. They're done. They're done. They're they're not a platform anymore. Who's who's bidding? It's going to be Sony, Google, Amazon, or Microsoft. Those are the yeah. four players in this regards. If uh, Sony loses Square Enix. It's if, a big if, loss. It, no, 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 oh, no. yeah. It's, it's, it's not the it's loss. It's bigger. It's the loss in our space. It's bigger. It's a bigger loss because when you think about it already, let's just look at, let's take Square Enix off the table for a second and see what's already happened. Microsoft just did a huge middle finger with Outriders on Game Pass. I'm talking massive. Yep. Meaning, anybody who thought about picking that game up on PlayStation got denied. They were like, well, I... And, I, and I've talked to numerous people who are like, I was going to play it on PlayStation, but now I'm not. What did that actually cost? It cost Sony 30% per every sale of that game. MLB yep. The Show, 30% per, well, actually MLB The Show is 100% to Sony. So here's the other thing. Sony's over leveraged themselves financially in terms of dropping the PlayStation 5 to a price that it compete with Microsoft. That console should have been $600 at a minimum, still selling for a loss. How do they make up that cost? $70 games, which gamers aren't fond of. So that automatically pushes people into the competition. If Square Enix loses the ability, they're going to compromise and you're going to see Game Pass on PlayStation if Microsoft decides to be generous. And that is the mathematics behind it. I don't think Sony, I don't think Sony has a choice. I think they have to go toe to toe and this is make or break. I know it's a hard line in the sand for me, but that's just how yeah. I, when I look at the numbers, cause you could sit here and tell me how awesome my uh, Sony's first party games are, but I'm a Sony guy because I play Square Enix games. You take that completely off the platform. I've really not invested in their first party. And what first party game do they have? That's a multiplayer hit. I don't know if the line is that the line of demarcation is that clear in my mind. That's fine. Yeah, that's why I, yeah, like, yeah. We're gonna, I, I, I knew this is going to be a good topic. I agree with your overall, you know, your the financial analysis. I watched the the piece that you did on that. Great stuff. Uh, I think that that company could go for anywhere from 14 to 20 billion, a mm-hmm. little bit of a markup for a sale deal. So my, my numbers jive right with you. I do think Sony has to be cautious mm-hmm. uh, about who they're going up against here, whether yeah. it's Microsoft, whether it's Nintendo. I kind of take Amazon out of the equation. I feel like Amazon's a little feeling a little burnt right now by the hundreds of millions they've invested in gaming and had zero return on that right. investment yet. Uh-huh. I don't think they're going anywhere. They still got New World that maybe will will be okay enough to carry them for a couple of years into a new project. But I don't think they're in a position to really want to dive into gaming. Depends on how Google, hungry. What I mean by them is how hungry are they? 
Yeah, because yeah, at some point Google, you're like, I've spent a hundred. Google, million. I think, is just unlikely. Yeah, they have the capital, of course. Yeah, uh, but I think they're unlikely because of the the Japanese culture stuff I was talking about earlier. I think if it goes to an American company, Microsoft is far more likely than Google. I don't think it shuts Sony's gaming down or or anything like that. I do think it puts a huge damper on their ability to continue to be Sony. Something Chris, you alluded to a little earlier, where we Sony might not be making the best decisions in our heads, but it is very Sony, mm -hmm. the decisions that they're making. If Microsoft picked them up, I don't think Sony's dead in the water, but I think their hands are now tied. They have to come to the table with, with uh, opening up Game Pass on the Sony platforms. They have to be more cognizant about opening things up because the options are either open or die. open up and play yeah. along yeah. or or go die 10 years from now right. because right. we're going to just siphon things from you slowly it's a part uh, it's a partner it's a partner parish. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so kind of like netflix right walking into the blockbuster hey do you guys like uh you guys want to partner up or do you just want to go away 15 million they, they uh Nef like they have the option to buy a netflix for 15 million and they did not yep <laughs> So that's a little history lesson there. Uh, it actually gets more interesting, especially when it talks about like there's like there's the real business side of things. And that's where like my mind starts going. The question is, does that's... that version of history play out the same way? Right. They buy Netflix for 15 million and they use it as an extension of Blockbuster. And then the next thing takes off in its place. I actually because... don't think you have a Netflix or a Blockbuster right. at that point. No, you because, don't. Because they're not yeah. going to run it the, yeah. the nimble way that it ended up being run. Right. I, I well, think that in the 2008 price, financial crisis is it. what technically killed, killed Blockbuster. They were not over leveraged. The, not Netflix. They were over leveraged in an environment that couldn't handle debt at the moment. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, it's so, Chris, you're, you're about so, to go into So it. if we're talking about price, I think we go back to the car analogy. Yeah. I think we go back to the problem is that you can say it's 15, 15 billion is their valuation, but they owe shareholders a fiduciary duty to capitalize on it. Yeah. And so if they're going to sell out control, if they're going to sell out long-term growth, long-term planning on, on a wave of success, Avengers aside, like they, they've had, uh, and they have immense success ahead of them. They've got Yoshi P leverage to the nines. They've got, I mean, they're, they're doing what they need to be doing. Um, they've extracted his maximum life force. And so with all of that headed out, you have, you owe your shareholders it's gotta yeah. just be. That's, such that's a why fat I put. Stack. That's why it's I gotta put this be back at about it's gotta be twenty billion at least with a valuation three of thirteen to fourteen. Yeah, at oh, least three. Zenimaxes. So twenty one billion for Chris? yeah something something where you're like it wasn't for sale because mm -hmm. if it's not for it's sale, not for sale. If price taking up. them if it's not for sale, my car is not for sale. Right. Okay. I drive. I drive a two thousand five Jeep Wrangler. It's one of the last years that would they had a Mercedes transmission transfer case put in it before Mercedes split from Daimler Chrysler. There's only seventy six thousand of them made. I have a Rubicon, so I have a dialed up package on it. My car is not worth that much money. It is old. They they get wrecked every year off road. There are only so many left. The problem with selling my car to you is that my car is worth single digit thousands of dollars. Is that I can't go buy another one. It yep. doesn't go up in value because not that many people want it. But to the people that do, every time I have taken it to a shop to be repaired, I've been offered more than its value. Just buy the mechanic. He comes out and he goes, hey, here's what we need to do. By the way, I got one of the guys in the back is offering you this number. First couple of years I owned the car, that number was more than I paid. <laughs> and so, so like, but the problem is I can't get it back. Yeah. And so if you you can't get that control back, so it needs mm -hmm. to be a number where Square Enix was not for sale. And then Microsoft came in and offered 25 billion. 
well, lots of things become for sale at 25 billion. Right. So like <laughs> there's a number where it's like, I mean, I'll, I'll take your call. Uh, right. <laughs> maybe you should come out and say hello. Are you vaccinated? Come, you vaccinated? On, over. come say, on down. Stop by. We'll have lunch. Um, I think there's a number there where it goes that way. And then the question is off of the Zenimax deal, off of Game Pass having so much success right now. X, but let's assume we're only talking about Microsoft here because Sony, like you said, it's logical for them to make the purchase. It's just a question of do they have it? Mm-hmm. So Microsoft is the other one that it's more interesting. Where does it fit in their plan? Because they the only way Microsoft has been keeping up with PlayStation right now is it has been a barrage of good press after good press after good press to the point where they can make a mistake on the price of of gold or whatever that mess was. And it just gets washed out by just the, oh, you want to talk bad about us? Oh, did you see MLB The Show? You want to talk bad about us? Oh, did you see we bought Bethesda? Like, it's just so is it seems like a really expensive thing to just be part of a barrage of good press. Yeah, I do want to clarify one thing because Shortchange Hero says even hypothetically saying that they would fail if they don't buy Square Enix, gross over exaggeration. It is in context of that if them or Microsoft, if somebody acquires Square Enix and, and Sony loses that leverage, that's a huge chunk of IP and identity. It's like if somebody yeah. said, oh, hey, we just no, bought no. up Mario from yeah. Nintendo. I don't know why they were selling it, but they did. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, it's a whole, it's because it, it, it basically... It's not the thing that they shut down the day it happens. It's the fact that you all of a sudden have continued more mindshare moving in another direction. And Sony banking a lot of their financials off of that $70 price point, lowering the cost of the PlayStation because they have to get in the PS5 with their the, uh, with the, the model. This is what makes the whole like uh, structure very fascinating to me is that when they came in and they walked it back a little bit, but saying we believe in hard generations... Uh, and, and I think gamers are excited to see what happens yeah. with uh, Forspoken, where it's a IP that is built for the PlayStation 5 forward. Like, that's something that's going to be really exciting to see. But when you have that hard line in the sand and then you have the, the competition saying, we're going to respect all generations, etc., you start losing. And, you, and what, what Sony has done is they built a like a brand of blockbusters, which is great, that those blockbusters help generate sale after sale. You don't have to put in... Uh, you know, microtransactions into a Sony first party game because they're getting 30% off of every sale that that game that 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 game generates on the back end, all the third party. If you lose third party, you don't have I don't in my opinion, you don't they don't have a strong enough first party like if you would say something compared to Nintendo. Nintendo has been able to release consoles successfully off the back of their first party and not having to rely on third party you know, Sony has to have that, that third party and they have for such a long time. They're losing that right now in waves. And if they lost Square Enix, it, it's, it's just a matter of time. You're assuming though yeah. that we're the only three people. I have two friends with PS5s that <laughs> yeah. have gone hands-on and both of them, when I mention the new Square Enix title, everything from Octopath to Outriders to Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 14s, they literally don't know what those games are. Right. Yeah, so, and, and there is nothing that you just said, Brian, that I necessarily disagree with, except the first thing I said way back when that I disagree with. I don't think the line of demarcation is as deep as you you make it out to be. Maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong. Right. I, I also think, I also I, think, I think it's all of these blocks. companies <laughs> I think all of these companies are so buffered against catastrophic failure in one aspect of their business. Oh yeah. Yeah. You Sony know, they're not we're not talking company. about you yeah. know, Capcom, who is games and, you know, some side peripherals, or Konami, who is games right. and pachinko machines. Uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, Microsoft and PC computing and, and Windows. Right. And I mean, they're so buffered against catastrophic failure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do not, think not it hurts. Like Undoubtedly, yeah, yeah. it hurts if Sony doesn't get it. 
I don't think it's the be all end all that that you seem to lean a little more towards. Um, I think it just forces them to play ball in a way that, yeah. honestly, I wouldn't be that unhappy as a consumer if they did go and play ball. That's the other option is that it, it forces them to change. And so, like, in maybe, in the, like what I was saying, like, I'm title. not saying that Sony as a corporation is depends should, on like, the title, closes shop, shuts doors, and all right, right, like, right. oh, guys, we lost. It's that literally, like, when you look back at this moment, it would be like you would not recognize pre uh, Sony pre this this acquisition and Sony post this obviously hypothetical acquisition until any any money is is exchanged hands in this regard. Yeah, again, Square publicly saying the they're not for sale. We don't have any offers. By the way, if you don't know the back end of business, mergers and acquisitions talks and scenarioing all happens all the time. All the time, every day. Mm -hmm. I've been in charge of drawing up M and A documents mm -hmm. uh, for multiple companies that may never go where or may never even be viewed by somebody. So it's normal that that stuff's being discussed. It takes a lot of work. I hate being acquired too. Cause yeah. it's like, okay guys, like we new set of rules. Here's what, here's what you can't say. Here's what you can't like. It's yeah. a pain in the butt. And so like anything can go wrong. And we actually saw like, what's really fascinating about this is that Microsoft did try to do this back in 1999. They got pretty much to the signing ceremony or at least where the letter intent, like, et cetera. And then and Square Enix was like, we want more money. And it's, yeah. so, I'm so glad they did because I don't think we'd have the square today. I'm so glad 14 1.0 failed because we wouldn't have the square today without some of the lessons that they've had to learn hard. Uh, Chris, I want you to have a final thought before we go into uh, yeah, talking about I, I would say I would say I would point out that Phil Spencer is not running Xbox like Sony would run Xbox. He is not a scorched earth mentality. He's definitely playing to his strengths. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they paid a lot of money for ZeniMax and they're going to get some exclusive content out of it. Absolutely. But he's not a scorched earth guy. He's not being vindictive just to be vindictive. So he has said, and so far actions have lined up to agree that anywhere that a, a game already has an established audience on a platform, they're going to be respectful of that. Mm -hmm. So Final Fantasy 14 would still have a PS5 and then a PS6 and then a PS7 edition. Final Fantasy games like 7R would continue to likely have all of their chapters release on time, day and date on PlayStation. The question becomes with that next Avenger style title, that next thing that out of nowhere they get put in charge of, Square Enix lands the next Star Wars game, the next Lord of the Rings game. That's where you start to see exclusivity creep in as a conversation. But Final Fantasy... 16 final fantasy 17 18 19 20 those are all going to still release on a playstation because you just paid a lot of money for square and you have an entire install base that will buy it so like microsoft still likes money and, and then you still contracts or exclusivities that need to be honored mm -hmm. and that's yeah, why game pass is struggling on pc i think they right. haven't been super transparent about that but i bet the reason that game pass on pc is struggling is because i bet there is a lot of exclusivity clauses in steam agreements as a distributor and people and games agreed to that because there wasn't another main distributor. And now game Pass is like, well, what about us? And they're like, technically I agreed to something. And so I think You're we're going right. to have to wait for those to be <laughs> reneged where steam's either going to need to, they probably didn't pay very much for that clause. And they're either now going to have to, or you'd suddenly gonna be like, Oh, on steam or game pass on PC. Yeah. It's going to be interesting one way or the other. And uh, whether like, whether it's actually uh, like Sony and square in this case, we do know like this is not the end of the, of the acquisitions. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see more and more of that. And yes, if it comes down to exclusivity, I think it's wrong. I don't think we want to see that. And that's where I'm hoping that if nothing else, that we do get to see Bethesda games on a PlayStation platform. But at some point, like just because like you've got friends that don't know uh, like Square Enix games, Chris, like the Bethesda deal really didn't mean anything to me. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, that, that it's, 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 it's earth shattering. 
but it's not like that's my game. Like those are the games I play. They mean more to Brandon, my brother, the Yeti. But outside of outside of him, I'm like, all right, like I'll try it. But that's that's just not my my thing. I wish it was, but it's not in that regards. But let's go on. Yeah, I also don't think if if Avengers didn't crash as hard as it did, I don't think there's sharks in the water trying to look at maybe buying Square Enix or maybe it could possibly be for sale, too. That's still hurting Square a lot. Well, they're still developing for it, you know, in that regard. So it's just. We'll have to uh, maybe they'll turn it around. They're going just... to Realm Reborn it. They're they're releasing an expansion for a game that hasn't finished being a game. Yeah, I think yeah, Ma- Magic Man's got the <laughs> got the right of it. The game needs so much, like, I, and I don't want to turn this into a topic, but the the game needs absolutely so much work that I just in my mind the only reason that it's being worked on is because it's Marvel and Disney. Uh, otherwise, and they and Square Enix has a gl- good relationship with them with the Kingdom Hearts. Otherwise, yeah. I think That's that fine. I think they would have just shut that thing down already. All right, fourteen only got a two point because it's Final Fantasy. Take That's it true. out back and shoot it, please. <laughs> right? If it had been new IP, one point would have been the end of it. It would have It was done. It would have been done. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's let's. High five. So uh, Mike and I, uh, we're OG one players, uh, covering it back in the day, man. Like it, like we had no concept. Was that you have the box? Yeah, it's right back there. So. Yeah, he's gonna get it. Let him get the box. So we've been we've been covering this game for a long time, well over ten years. Um, but now here we are. There's the OG box, dude. The collector's edition. You got your like uh, your little birth certificate thing that they did, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I still have that too. I also have the little book for that taking. Yeah, notes. the birth certificate you had to send away for. Remember? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I still have it. That's upstairs. It's framed. I'm a dork. Whatever. Do you, do you have your? Uh, do you have your name in the credits? Are you a legacy? Like considered legacy? Uh, no, because I actually unsubbed from it when, uh, right before they made the subs free. Yeah. Or, uh, or no, I'm sorry. When they resubbed, when they put the sub back in, I did not sub. So I'm not in the legacy credits on 2.0. Do you regret that at all now? I do. Yeah. I do. I'm like, shit, if I would have just given you $45 over three months. Yeah. I do regret yeah, it was that. A gamble. Also, it was that, a gamble. It also made me ineligible apology. for the, the, that's the an apology. amount too. So just know that 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 tattoo, that discounted sub <laughs> is an apology. Yeah, that is yeah. that is not at the time. That was not like these people made a good decision. They deserve no. a reward. This no, was, we made terrible. We decisions. So sorry. Just look at that art. Dude, that that, beautiful. Oh, gosh, man. You know, uh, 1.0 destroyed my PC. It ran so hard and so hot. <laughs> Oh, on yeah. that machine trying to render those flower pots and for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about the flower pots in 1.0 were given the same level of code and care as a player character you know so those things those flower pots look good <laughs> but it's like the uh, the thing like you needed a beast of a machine back in the day and probably still to this day to, to run and run render the game and there was really nothing happening in it but now here we are <laughs> a decade later and we're heading Wrapping into up. An insane expansion. I think what we're I think we're about to experience something that will hope like if it lands, which I expect it will, will like be something that people just remember this saga and like remember when we played through all of fourteen, etc. So let's go ahead and just focus in on a conversation, spoiler free as best as possible, talking about five point five impressions. Mike, is this uh, is this an expansion for you? Like like was this patch everything you wanted it to be? Did it live up to a hype, or is it disappointing you in any way? Uh, so, and we, we did all this on the relic grind yesterday. So yeah, I'll, I'll, sub to his channel in the highlight guys. I'll I'll truncate my opinions, uh, uh, here, but you can check out if you want fuller versions. 
Uh, honestly, 5.5 did not do anything I didn't expect it to do. Uh, like, I fully expected what we got. Uh, but in a vacuum, comparing it to, you know, other dot fives or other patches, uh, I was a little disappointed in this one. That's not to say I didn't enjoy the story. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy the setup for a lot of stuff that we're, you know, uh, assuming we'll be doing or guessing or speculating on what we'll be doing. I did enjoy the patch tremendously. I was a little disappointed just because I felt like I felt like we didn't progress much. Like there was more focus on keeping things hidden and mysterious than there was on uh, actually moving the story forward. It almost feels like, hey, we needed a little bit of story to get us to dot five five. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's bring Tiamat back. We'll fight Lunar Bahamut and do this thing. Uh, sure, put that in there real quick. Like we didn't progress anything. Now maybe those characters will play out in five five or six zero a little more. That's great. It just felt like we were kind of stationary. We didn't really accomplish anything. It was wonderful to do it. It was the dungeon. We'll get to that, I'm sure, in a little bit, and because I have some opinions on that. But uh, yeah, a little disappointing because I felt like they were so focused on not revealing anything that nothing got revealed at all, um, and we just kind of stayed stationary. I, I gave it like a, a seven out of ten as far as like the main story quest and stuff. It did what I expected it to do, but I, there's still that fanboy part of me that give me a little bit, tease me a little bit. Don't just block the weapon that Xenos picks up. Show me yes. a little piece of it or something. Just <gasps> oh, give me man. something to Especially start speculating. Especially since it's only a couple more weeks. Yeah, because then yeah. we could still speculate on what is it called and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but I, you know, but it's like. Are they going to show it? Like, how cool would it have been if they actually showed the weapon and just people are just going nuts? You know, it's like, oh my gosh. And then Yoshi P comes out and can, like, you know, really clarifies, like, what it is and, like, how it plays, etc. Creatively and safely, by the way, there is no weapon in that scene, if you watch that cutscene. People have data mined mm -hmm. that scene in particular, and there's a pillar in the camera shot that presumably blocks you from seeing the weapon that he draws. Yeah. There actually is not a weapon behind there so like yeah. they, they tried to data mine it and couldn't even do that <laughs> Chris, i would give you? it a seven out of ten as well but execution is where i'd knock the three points not the amount of stuff i think the dungeon tried to tackle too much for a dungeon that should have been a trial fight the lore wise behind that dungeon it's too much stuff to cram into a dungeon um it, it it's too big of a, a subject uh, any of you that watched the last season of Game of Thrones, sometimes things just need more time. Um, we spend a long time building up to this, at least in calendar days, to just see it resolve over the course of a dungeon that does not have a harder difficulty, over content that does not have the ability to have an additional phase added, have, you know, something. Great dungeon. Um, the uh, ocean fishing content. Um, it's good. I wanted something a little bit more. The celebration content, the Skyrise celebrations. It's good, but then they've made the drop rates on the lockboxes so quick that when you do it once, you don't really have a reason to keep coming back and doing it over and over and over and over. Uh, and they could have reused some of the previous Fate Firmament building events and had us go around and let's maintain these buildings. Let's So they, they could have had more to it. It's delightful. Everybody should do it once. Um, there's not really a reason to keep coming back time and time again. Um, I think 
in general, it's just like I wanted a little bit more with the with the gold mounts. The whole purpose of the gold mounts was to pull money out of the economy, and they set the most expensive one at fifty million. And I know to new players that are like, I've never had more than a hundred thousand. That's an insane number. But to people who've been playing since four point oh, three point oh, two point oh, there were people who bought them both on day one. Yep. There, there's you know, and your gold guides, tremendous stuff, by the way. Those still hold up to this day, by the way. Uh, if you need gold in Final Fantasy, I know they were made a, a while ago, but they they still hold up. Go. The, the only reason why Chris doesn't have more gill is because it's a, just a, it's just a process that you do. Yeah. And and it's like why do and the thing is like I've said, I haven't done them because I have never needed gill, and that's one of the things that like with gill and experience, like I harken back to like those two principles. It needs more value. And if it yep. does have more value, now there's also the, the counterpart where the more valuable you make gill, the more incentive that you're having with gill sellers and people, you know, real money trading, because all of a sudden that has a, like a, ma- a massive like influx. So there's a balance there, right? You can't sit here and say, you know, everything is, you know, take gill and it's going to, we're going to make it, you know, just because yep. otherwise you end up having rapid inflation. And then that new player coming in being like, well, I just want to buy a basic weapon. They're like, it's a hundred thousand gill. What? You know, it's like, you should have been here 10 years ago, dumbass. Like, let's go. Yeah, anyway. and if you're walking around with a hundred or 200,000, then please go watch Chris's guides. A lot of them, you don't even have to have crafting and, and stuff. So just for, for God's sakes, go check them out. But, I, you know, there is a huge, if you don't understand these sinks being necessary, Chris and, and, and Brian, I'm sure you guys know, it, there is a huge percentage of the audience like us that is when we're sitting at 10 or 12 million gil we're like oh i'm broke i'm broke you know i, I don't do there, but i don't do anything about it i just stay at no, 10 right but there is a big port they needed something uh but i agree i think they should have been priced a little higher i think they should have been a little more i think this is a starting point i think i'm fine with them starting with this as long yeah. as this is not another eggy glamour situation as long as every patch they're like new mounts uh new yeah. glamour yep. mounts like yep. if they golden have that pony Done. golden pony golden dogo bop, 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 bop. you know like so if every patch that they're adding then essentially you get you get this uh this increasing uh you know obviously canter of of different thing and hopefully we see minions hopefully we see like all kinds of stuff like hell and give the me unique ones behind the metas once mm-hmm. you have 10 of them there's a unique mount this mount only comes in gilded i don't care about mounts like i only have like 50 or 60 mounts but minions oh you give me <laughs> gold minions that golden koala can you imagine oh. shooting gold off the shoulder? Of your shoulder i don't know what it is about minions in this game man since day one I think I'm at like 340 or just uh, just under 340. I, I freaking love minions. So I just started putting them in macros so that when I change classes, it changes which minions out. Oh, now I get to pair each job with a minion of its choosing. And that's made it delightful. The other thing uh, that so you put in your macro, then yeah. based on the glamour, because the koala doesn't look good with my pig suit because it sticks through the pig. <laughs> so I was like, where do I use this? So it's on my white mage. So now my white mage running around as a chicken has a koala on its shoulder, which is <laughs> so. Fantastic. Back in the day in Final Fantasy XI, maining red mages, I had macros for spells to change equipment. Yes. because of the staffs, the elemental Sa- staffs, yeah, and all that stuff. Right here, yeah. Now it's just like yeah. <laughs> macros for minions, baby. Macros for minions for days. Let's do it. 
336. How cool would it be if they actually fixed like the macro system so that you could use it in combat without suffering DPS loss? Uh, you start macroing uh, like attacks that have minions that are tied to it. It's like, all right, Chris is in his golden like chocobo phase. Like, do you know what I want? If I'm good, if we're just gonna add one thing to macros that won't change the battle system at all, I want magic prisms to be able to be placed in macros. Those things have no value. But if every time I cast a limit break, I shoot a sparkly Easter egg over my head, I am about to buy a lot of magic prisms. <laughs> the magic prism market, like, just, like to the moon, to for, the moon. For a game like... that's already like, should almost have a seizure warning with full settings on. Like I cannot do combat. New players are like, I have my settings turned up and I, how do you beat encounters? Turn your settings down. Like, stop looking at every sparkly thing that someone else casts. But if you can let me start tossing sparkly things out every time I land a combo, it's like, oh, inner release. Here comes, you know, house of whatever. <laughs> I'm so glad. I have two macros. Yeah, and, and Chris is right, by the way. If you don't, I have two macros to whether I'm in a party or not in a party that shut everything off or turn everything on. So definitely shut that shut that stuff down. Otherwise, Chris is going to get his wish and you're going to be blinded and won't oh, see a I damn know. thing. Oh. Chris can't have more than 100,000 gillen. I know, and I'm making 2 million a day. It's just magic <laughs> prisms. Every Eden pull. I'm using no consumables to increase my stats, and these things are costing me 5,000 a pull. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. The, um, let's, let's talk about the dungeon. So 5-5, five, five, uh, obviously the, the final dungeon. Um, uh, and I agree. Like, honestly, I, it's interesting to have that here because it's going to feel like 5-5-5. Five, five, five. Like, you know, okay, like, there has, like what's the big piece of content that's connected to it? But what do you, uh, what do you think of the dungeon, Magic? Um, okay. Peggle's so, yeah. I am very, very big on dungeon content, whether it be Final Fantasy, whether it be World of Warcraft, Guild Wars. I love dungeon content. I love raiding and an eight person, a 24 person, and 15 person, and 25, whatever game you want to do. But I really, really enjoy dungeon content. Um, I think Final Fantasy does it very well, but I've also constantly said, whether it's on my own shows or on State of the Realm with Haps, uh, it is also the area that I see for the biggest amount of improvement and opportunity in, in Final Fantasy. I liked this dungeon a lot from a cinematic and story standpoint. Uh, I thought it fit the main story quest tremendously well. Mm -hmm. It actually felt like we were there for main story reasons, where if you look back at just even one patch back at Matoya's Relic, that dungeon relic, that dungeon felt like we need a dungeon for the patch. Uh, let's say Matoya needs something from a building in the north and have people go get that thing. And there, there's our dungeon. Where this one I felt was very narrative driven mm -hmm. with Tiamat flying around and, and stuff like that. I loved it from that perspective. I can't stand, and Final Fantasy isn't the only one that does this, obviously. I can't stand the hallway approach that we have with dungeons and have for a long time. Long time. Where it is... Straight line, boss, straight line, boss, straight line, boss. The first time you, I queued up for this dungeon, the very first time, it was already with four people that had not done it before. It was already grab everything, pull it to the boss, burn it down as far as it'll let you do it. Right. Uh, and really, right. in this dungeon, we only had one break point where you had to make multiple pulls between the second I and the third. I boss. don't think we'd stopped at all. I nearly died. 
Wait, yeah. In the, in the second, and <laughs> the only break you have is between the second and the third boss because of the dragon flight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you have to, you have to do that in in two two separate pools. Which, by the way, the dragon flight, I was like, oh, we're gonna do something different. This is gonna be so cool. I like, was really excited. We mounted up, and I'm like, cool. Do I get to like air bomb? baddies on the way to the yep. boss like yep. is there going to be some new mechanic here it's not going to be earth shattering but it'll show me that's no. thinking in this different direction it was a very beautiful flight the, f the field was beautiful to it's look gorgeous. at gorgeous power in the distance was gorgeous uh there was no turbulence the in-flight meal and movie were fantastic uh but yeah it's just a flight so it was a little a little sad the dungeon cinematically again totally does it for me I really want to see evolution in the dungeons. And again, I know Final Fantasy isn't the only one guilty of this, but just think back. We have done different things. We have done different things, like in the original Realm Reborn stuff. Yep. You know, uh, Hawk Manor was such a unique mm -hmm. go through and, and figure things out and go this way and this way, and then let's jump back to the beginning. And Matoya's Relic, I thought they could have done um, a little something there. It wouldn't have been much, but it would have been something where after you beat it the first time, I thought, why not open those three corridors in any order you want to go? Yeah. Like narrative wise, you want me to go through it this way first. Fine. But no, it plays in the exact same way. So I love dungeons, but it's the biggest area of opportunity. This one was beautiful and cinematically very, very good and meshed with the MSQ, but ultimately falls flat for me because it's still more of the, the same straight line boss, straight line boss. I think that there's an opportunity there for things like limited jobs to add something on. If they don't want to make yeah. inventions, you could have a side wing. And the only reason to go down there is to learn a spell. And so I think you could go, you could go nest job quests in there and have, you have to go through with a trust to do those. You could go reuse them from a couple different angles and still keep the core experience, this straight hallway, the flight. I remember getting on that flight and going, okay, we just had in dungeon voice acting and I'm getting on a dragon. I see you, wow. Like, I'm looking straight <laughs> at you, World of Warcraft. Bring it on. You give me a Mythic Plus version of this, and we are there. Um, I think a lot of what's made Matoya's and this my favorite dungeons, this expansion, is that this expansion has been a retooling of my expectation of what a dungeon is. I came into this expansion expecting dungeons to be like they were in Stormblood, which was me hoping they were like they were in Heavensward. And what it's been is... Thanks to the fact that I play tank, I now have a button that handles my enmity. And so it's how fast can I pull? And the answer is two or three before there's a door that stops me. And so yep. as soon as you're comfortable with double and triple pulls, it was like, oh, so this is just a race. Some of the early dungeons were wonderful dungeons. There was a balance beam mechanic. There was all sorts of fun things. But because I was having to retool my expectations to dungeons are just speed, double, triple pull, door opens, boss, speed, double, triple pull door opens, boss, because there was no mechanical difficulty whatsoever, which was done to invite casual beginners into the game, which is wonderful. But because there was no second half to that, I've spent the entire expansion changing my expectations. And what I expected was a beautiful series of double, triple pulls followed by bosses. And as my experience, as my expectations have changed, the dungeons have gotten better because not because the dungeon, I mean, it's been one recipe this entire expansion, but because of what I have wanted from them has dropped so low. It dropped 505 and we've been sitting in 510 gear. So, I don't have a reason to run it again unless, I, unless I'm going to run the expert roulette. So, and so that was it. 
so chat's saying side bosses for chances at emotes and orchestra and roles. Um, my question yeah, to y'all, go ahead. That's go ahead. something I brought up. Like if, if you've played WoW, um, and not to, I'm just comparing it to that one, sure. not for any sure. particular reason, but anybody remember Shadow Labyrinth, the Anzu boss, you know, totally optional boss. You needed to have an item from a totally different place in the world and somebody in the party had, had to be a druid. Through. Hey, does anybody have that? Yeah. Yeah. Had to be a druid at first. Had to be a druid, yeah, for the, yep. the class stuff. You know, hey, does anybody have this so we could pull this optional extra boss that had a chance to drop a mount? Uh, that, just stuff like that. It, it's very small. Like, you wouldn't think that that... Is that enough to get you, Mike? Jesus, because they, they put a fourth boss in it. You're very happy? No, they put a fourth optional boss that sometimes I'm going to get to do, sometimes I'm not. Or drops a very cool thing, so me and Brian and Chris, we're going to farm it today. You know, that just we're going to keep beating up that... Those little, little tweaks just add so much replayability to content that, Chris, you just pointed out, there's zero reason for me to run this unless I'm farming tombstones for some reason. And it is very, very late in a patch to be farming tombstones. Or this, this is actually the appropriate time to start farming, farming tombstones because it's the only time that matters. Yeah. <laughs> now, I but how do how do we balance that? How do you do that in terms of matchmaking? Where like, because I don't know how well handled it, but imagine going like, yeah, I'm gonna queue for this, and oh, y'all, we're not gonna do the side boss that I want. I'm out. Like, how do you in a in a case of that the expectation, especially where the game has already trained players, is that yep. this is a race to the end as fast as possible. I'm here to get my tomes. You know, like for whatever reason, uh, you know, oh, yeah. how do we, how do we, because uh, I think, I think there's two things. A, you have to design the content and B, you have to change the culture. What do you think, Magic? I don't think you have to. I okay. mean, there was no, you didn't queue up for, if you were going after the optional boss, mm -hmm. you typically weren't just randomly queuing up in the, the dungeon finder, in okay. the, in the duty finder. Because um, then you don't get the right dungeon. Right. One, you may not get the right <laughs> so dungeon. You're, you're and if you queue specifically that's true. That's true. for that dungeon, you're queuing for that dungeon for a particular reason. You need a clear or whatever. You would just typically shout or just go with your friends. Hey, we're going to go do Anzu. Who wants to go? Mm -hmm. um, I, so I don't think there's any training that you really need there. It's it's an optional boss. has nothing to do with the story, so you're not missing anything. has the chance to drop a mount or a minion or something stupid that doesn't mean anything in the grand context. You know, It doesn't even drop gear. It doesn't even have to drop gear. So nobody feels butthurt about not getting that extra chance at a piece of gear if they really needed 505s. I don't think there there's a training element that needs to go into it. Um, but I, I just want a little more. I love dungeons, but they're all they all feel the same. They just feel like in a different environment. And so actually this said, one looks a lot like really Heroes Gauntlet. <laughs> so 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 you don't have to train anybody because A, if it's if it's tied behind Blue Mage, it's already party finder only content. It's already right. handled. Right, right, right. If it's tied to a class quest, you just put it in with the trust dungeon. And then you're already queuing into it by yourself. So it's already handled. Um, and then from there, if it's a mount grind, it's a percent chance you need an item to, you need to guarantee that somebody in the item has the item to attune, where you require everybody to be attuned, or you require everybody to pony up some bicolor gemstones or whatever magical, mystical thing. So that's already going to enter the same mount farming party finder style groups that extremes do. So it's, it's already just going to be handled by the nature of how the community already treats cosmetic content. So that kind of like in a way that we're kind of touching on this, so going from like just our 5.5 impressions, I think we're all really in agreement. I think that mostly what I see from the community is like 
they're really excited for part two. And honestly, yeah. I think this is a great start because it's also sandwiched with the uh, the fan fest, and it's not that long. Typically, we've waited longer for the point five, and so we're literally looking at six weeks until we get the second half it's of the quick. story. The thing yep. that I am concerned on is as we move into Endwalker, if Endwalker is truly going to be in October, which traditionally we've seen a six months uh, gap from 5.5 five to the, the expansion or the 0.5 to the expansion, um, that's a long roadmap with not, like, we don't know, with maybe not a lot to kind of sink your teeth into. So I want to I want to shift our focus uh, on the on the 5.5 impressions and talk about what do we want for Endwalker. Uh, you talk about you wanting more uh, from dungeons. Uh, it, like if you if I gave you unlimited budget and control and, you know, you could go and make any change, you know, to the game itself, uh, Magic Mike, what would you do? I called you uh, Magic Mike, Magic Man. This isn't going to be popular. <laughs> this isn't going to be popular. Okay. Um, I don't think it needs to be... In fact, I wouldn't want it to be uh, like Mythic Pluses and how they're handled in World of Warcraft. Um, but I do think optional difficulties plays a huge role in my enjoyment of dungeons. I don't need you to make it progressively harder, plus one, plus two, plus 10, plus 11, plus 15, plus 20, and put timers on it, and all that. it becomes a damn eSport and stuff like that. I don't think so. But if you look back, do you, I mean, you guys remember uh, Last Vigil? Is it Last mm-hmm. Vigil? Am I remembering that, the name right? Yeah. And, and the hard version? Like, those were difficult. The, the normal was difficult when you were at, like, level 40, 35, 38, 40, mm-hmm. right in there, and, and you go in there. That dungeon was difficult. At that time, it's also there moving. was a good. It was so yeah. it was a trial, but yeah, but yeah. Oh my gosh! No, yeah. no. Then we're talking. No, about no, no. Stone, Stone vigil. vigil. Thank Stone you. Vigil. Stone. So like okay. You're walking in the hallway to pull something, and some sprites drop on you, and you're like, "Yeah, Why did we oh yeah." yeah. Dragons were tough. Like <laughs> Back I don't when dragons were tough. I yep. just don't understand. Like I understand making it more accessible to every player. That's fine. Then make a story mode and make a challenge mode. Do it that way if, if you have to. And I know they did that and then got away from it with the whole hard mode and expert modes and stuff like that. I just really, I really feel like the dungeons are some, something that they expect us to do and expect and treat in their minds as a content piece that is repeatable and will hold people over from one patch to the next. But for a large portion of the audience, it isn't that at all. It's a one and done in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So just... Uh, Optional things to do. It doesn't have to be an extra boss. If you you don't have to give me that in every single dungeon. One out of every ten, that's cool. How about some side paths that where I have a chance to get lost? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, people well, people get lost in in Hawk Manor. Yeah, they do the first time, the first time, but they had to explore. They figured it out, and now they're good. Uh, give me a chance to get lost in there a little bit. Uh, some rare spawns that that pop up yep. here and there. Not that, a guaranteed that spawn, works yeah, too. Absolutely. Some some trails with treasure chests at the end. I saw in chat mentioned earlier. It, something that requires this to be more of a. All right, Chris comes in and asks the healer, "You okay with me making doing uh, mass pools?" Yep. All right, boys, let's go. And and we go. My last tank asked me, and as a white mage, I was already pulling the next pull. <laughs> Not only am I okay. I'm waiting. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I'm in front of you casting holy. Like, let's go. There just need it doesn't need to be more dungeons. It doesn't need to be incredibly complex mechanics. Uh I would be happy with a second tier difficulty with some cosmetic glamour rewards as the reason for going to do it. 
optional bosses. Give me the opportunity to be lost. We're not talking about high investment money-wise. Yes, time-wise, we are talking about more time investment on the creation aspect. But yeah, I just, it's the biggest, it's something I love, but I think it's the biggest opportunity they have. I'm very happy with trials lately. I'm very happy with extreme versions of the trials lately. I'm very happy with the raids lately. Uh, granted, we're using that term in a, in a, in a term that it's really just a boss fight, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's a trial. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very happy with that stuff lately. Dungeons, I'm okay with. I just think there's there's room for improvement there. As a culmination of the Eden series, as a culmination of the Puppets Bunker series, as a culmination of the Weapon series, I believe the last one of each of those was a perfect endpoint. Not I necessarily agree. my favorite, but we it was a perfect, this is how we got here. The yep. reusing of mechanics, the reusing of, you know, there were aspects of Eden's Promise. I, I think the intermissions will age incredibly poorly. But, I, you know, when we get queued up for it, a million years from now and we're blasting through phases and we're like, oh, I got to go stand on platforms now. Um, but as a piece of content, it was a perfect bookend to that. This expansion has done a great job wrapping up on the same strength of notes that it ended with. Yeah, um, not not, not necessarily innovative, yep. but perfect, beautiful. For any of you that finished Sorrows of Were Lit, it literally ends on a screen that says it's finished. And there was just a, a beauty to that moment and earning that moment. And I encourage you guys all to do that story. It is quite a journey. Um, it, I thought that I was more uh, emotionally invested in that story than I have been in 5.4 and 5.5's MSQ. I didn't even far. like Eden until the last phrase, I don't think. Yeah, I, Gaius' I don't really. character development alone oh. is worth playing through that entire thing. Uh, it's, 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 it's a contrast either, it's to Nier, though, because like at the same time, Nier, the oh, content is amazing, but this story in and of itself, it's like, I just felt yeah. like I just watched an ad for Nier. Like, I just... If it has been voiced, if you gave those dwarves voices, oh, fantastically man. comical voices, I'm in. I'm in. Maybe That's that would have changed it, because I just, close. like, as far as it goes, like, I cannot get over the fact that when we talk about Walker, I don't want another Nier. I don't want another. We're not getting one. I know, and thank God. And it's like, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, have I have, I have tried and tried, and tried, and it's like, and it's so weird to contrast it because the fights and the set pieces and everything is great, but I have no connection to it. It's like, hey, we're not only are we in this other dimension, but hey, like, if we don't do this, it's not like, like, it's not like with uh, with Evil East where it's now tied to Boja. Like, there feels like, it, like with the Crystal Tower, which is just. Like all of it's so ingrained into the world, and then there's near. It feels like the Verminion of of raids, and it's like, yeah, it exists. It's over there. Uh, you know, obviously, I think near is far better in terms of its design from a gameplay and a mechanical perspective. But geez, Louise, it's I just, too big of a piece of content for that. It's, yeah. It means the same to me as Rathalos, but instead of taking a trial, you gave me a three part twenty four man raid series, which is the largest PVE content we do outside of the Relic Grinds. It's it's massive content. So had we not gotten twenty four and forty eight mans in the Relic Grinds, I think it would have put a bad taste in my mouth for this expansion. Thankfully, they knew that going in, right? They weren't divi- designing in a vacuum. So they're like, you. You know what for people that want 14 style 24 mans we got good news yeah uh we got a 48 man savage because we're insane oh, yeah. like so they they had there was another none of this stuff exists on its own i would say as far as what i want to move it forward back to dungeons mm-hmm. i think the unreals have been a perfect answer to if you are done with everything else now the unreals were added at a time when i suddenly decided to start leveling all my alt jobs so i haven't spent a ton of time in them 
but I love that they're there. I love knowing that if I get done leveling again and I'm back in a point where I'm happy with the jobs I have leveled, having Unreal Dungeons, having Unreal Trials is an incredibly clever way to reskin something. It's cheap compared to spinning up all new content um, and lets us re-experience something. And like you said, it's locked behind cosmetics. It's locked, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you, yep. oh, you missed the last Unreal. Okay, <laughs> like that's fine. Catch yeah. the next one. Um, I think uh, I really like when I look at Endwalker and what I want from the expansion is that the things that Shadowbringers has done that I really enjoy is they brought Gil as a goal. They've done these little things that I'm like, I like that aspect. Can we get more of it? Boja for me, uh, I, I don't, I wish like the Boja system existed for Eureka, but at the same time, I wish that existed throughout the game. Like if you were out there in a zone and honestly, like at the time, like I think there's a lot of technical things that have to go on in order for this to happen, but like just being in a zone, playing with other players and then getting queued up for a boss that, that could, could or could not spawn is so exciting. It's so exhilarating. I enjoy it every time I get into it and I'm really excited for the next part that happens here with five, 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 five. Um, and so with that aspect, I think that what I would love to see from Endwalker is I'd like to see them not sacrifice the ultimate like we already had, but I want to see them invest in a, a stronger mid-core endgame loop that is connected to the things that we do. We talk about dungeons. The question that comes down to it is why do we run those dungeons? For tomes, why? Like it, the gear's gonna expire. Like wait till the point four or the point five. That's that that's the time when you go and you can grind that out and then you're set for for months. Like if I was already in 530 gear, I'm set all the way up to probably 2021. Uh, you know, like uh, all the way up until I hit level 90, you know, I, you know, in theory, like with a, you know, a slight little adjustment here and there. And so like, it really becomes like, why do it? And I think if they brought in, you know, things that we've seen in other games, just like I loved how in, uh, in destiny, like you, when you were done leveling you, every level you, they're gifting you just like, Hey, thanks for getting a level's worth of experience. Here's something for that. It doesn't have to be meaningful, but then get some glamour tied behind it. Get some, like, we have this achievement system currency and it's like, okay, like I had already had everything before they switched on that currency. So I'm just sitting on that currency going like, well, yeah. I'm I just add something new to this, please. Like I want more reasons to log in, especially post level cap and nothing uh, brings us more to the front than when I just finished leveling up a couple characters in, uh, in Outriders being at level cap and it's like going and playing with friends. That's great. But, and that works for a short period of time. But if you're going to just say like, Hey, you can constantly, we're going to give you a treasure coffer. You know, we're going to give you a hundred lock boxes every time you level up post level. That's more than enough. Like I'd go run my leveling roulette for that alone, you know, but I don't beast tribe currencies, fates. Like it gives, it gives everything value and you got to find that thread. And I think XP is the perfect currency uh, for all of that, you can, yeah, you want to go around the dungeon? Why? Like, well, I'm just going for another glamour level or whatever you would, they'd end up calling it. And that's something I think from a mid-core aspect, it's not, can't be tied to power. Otherwise, if you tie it to power, the, the rating scene's going to require it. Like, you got to go hit power level 1000. No, don't tie it to power. Yeah. Well, I, I think Yoshi P's development philosophy would cater more towards it being a glamour piece or a casual yeah. thing to begin with because he is very... Hey, you know what? There are times like right now 
right? Where if you're not catching up, you're you're ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. You might aren't. Maybe you don't want to sub for a month. It's it's okay. Go play another game, and then we hope you'll come back for five five, or we hope you'll come back with the launch of six zero. That is publicly his methodology. Sales. Yeah. In I don't want you to feel that you have to play this game. So I think if they did what you were saying, I'd love it. The people like us that never really stop subbing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have something to do in those interim pieces while people that do say, all right, it's going to be three months, four months before the next expansion. I'm going to save myself $35, $45 and unsub because I'm not playing it right now. And, and they don't feel like they lost anything. As yeah. long as you don't have a house. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's how they get right. you. That's how they, it's like, sure, go play another game. That's uh, so Because you got a house. You can't, we can't let you go. You don't want to lose that because you're never going to get it again. <laughs> I'm 30 some odd hours into that grind for the first time trying it no dice no dice it's not a money issue new players like i can't wait till i have the money for a house great you can come click on a sign with me that has nothing to do with it Uh, nothing to do with the money (laughs) so anyway i think that essentially brings us to the end of the show um that's just such a great conversation we got to get you back on here uh magic man i think my friend thank you for the invite oh man it's just i'm really glad we actually got to do this thanks so much for having me on your show yeah we'll get chris on uh, with you at some point and get that way you can get a classic cringe rant he's he's been coming known for them to where like you know his channel's gaming kind of but i think uh people kind of lovingly call it ranting kind of we'll see but um i, I have a keyboard change now for sending me to the rant cam on my keyboard rant cam um <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, magic man where can people find you what do you got coming up and uh yeah floor's yours so sir. you can obviously check me out on mmobomb.com been there for years and we cover free-to-play gaming mmos all of it so uh, we do a weekly podcast and stream so yeah that hasn't changed what is new in the last i think it was late last year we actually launched uh ready check radio r-a-i-d like a raid Mm -hmm. EO. Uh, The link is generously put down below. So thank you so much for that Uh, on YouTube here. Click that. It's going to go to our website and all the socials are in the upper right-hand corner, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Spotify. If you want to listen, we run three different podcasts. Tuesdays is the uh, snowbound, the blizzard podcast. Thursdays is the relic grind, our final fantasy 14 square Enix podcast. And Saturdays is gaming gumbo, a general gaming show. And then there's a whole team of streamers that stream throughout the week. The schedule's also on the site. If you're brand new, please follow, follow, follow. Uh, we got a little thing when we hit 500 Twitch followers. We'll be doing a one-chip challenge and trying to not cry while we're playing Rocket League. So there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff planned. We're at like 360 on Twitch right now and 100 or so on YouTube. So share, share, and stop on by. We'd love to see you. Uh, if you liked Game Breaker in the past, this is very much a spiritual successor to that style of content. So love to see you there. Absolutely. Guys, be sure to go follow uh, on Twitter and all the socials down below. Uh, there are over 100 on uh, YouTube. I want to get them to 1,000. Uh, you know, so if you guys can go and hit that subscribe button on their channel, that'd be great. Chris has already crossed over 4,000 subscribers on uh, Gaming Kind of. Chris, floor is yours, sir. Uh, yeah, gaming kind of is, is kind of the catch-all for any any of my energy that is left after going live on Twitch, uh, 8 to 2, Monday through Friday. And then on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, Brian is taking over for me at 2 o'clock, where we either film videos live for YouTube or do podcasts like this. And then he transitions to his gameplay till 5 o'clock. Uh, and then I am, uh, we're filming for Work to Games, been posting seven days a week, pretty much all year now. 
So back to consistent posting, not back to the heyday for those of you that remember <laughs> when we would spam your feed with five videos a day, but uh, <laughs> definitely a solid one post a day here as we talk about 14 as we prep. Right now I'm playing, uh, I played Octopath Traveler on Monday, taking a break from MMOs, going oh, into the patch for the very first time. Got four of my eight characters unlocked and um, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, I'm doing 14 content. Fridays, I'm doing Guild Wars content. Mondays, I'm still kind of all over the all over the place. Part of me wants to go back into Octopath. Part of me wants to go and start doing some gold versus guild making, um, showing some WoW stuff for those of you that have never seen a uh, have never seen a run of a dungeon where you run at ten lockouts in an hour. There are some great transmog farms and stuff out there that can get you back on back on the path to having more gold than you than you need. All right, and Chad's asking, is uh, is Magic Man on YouTube? Yes, I've got his link, all the socials. So, uh, yeah, go follow Ready Check Radio. Uh, is there any other YouTubes associated with this? Because that's the one that I no, Just the one. Okay, yeah, good. just the one right now. So, literally, if you go to readycheckradio.com, what you linked in YouTube here, mm -hmm. upper right corner will get you to every single social, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, all of it. All of it. All the good stuff, guys. And uh, you can go back in the archive and you can listen to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Got like four months of, of content to catch up on for any one of the three shows. Especially works great when you're grinding out and you already done the story. So if you guys got anything to do to catch up on in Final Fantasy 14, I couldn't recommend a better show. I'm a big, big fan back from Thank back you. from one. That's very kind of you, my friend. Oh, anytime, dude. Thanks for making time today. Uh, for me, guys, I'm going to be uh, hanging out here on Twitch, playing some Guild Wars, trying to keep caught up with Chris. Uh, he's got a little bit more time. So yeah, we're, we're kind of pushing... Uh, so I'm 61. I'm going to see if I can't get a little higher today uh, and have some good times. And then uh, i got some editing of the podcasts uh, to do. So lots of, lots of fun stuff. So I appreciate y'all hanging out through here. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks, guys, for watching. Hopefully y'all all have a fantastic day. This has been the Casually Hardcore Podcast. My name is Brian. That's Chris. That's Magic Man. And we're all here to say we hope you guys enjoy the games that you play, that you're having fun, and that you enjoy this content. Let us know, and we'll see you next time.